I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hi there, guys, and welcome to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I am Joe Holbert, one of your usual hosts, and I'm joined again by Thomas Robry. Hello again, Joe. Yeah, so, me and Thomas have got, I think, four or five teams to discuss, and obviously... We'll discuss uh, the sort of Kobe Bryant retirement at the end. Not going to go too into depth. We'll leave that for Matt because he is the Lakers fan. Uh, I'm sure he'll pod at some point this week, but we want to focus on teams we haven't done before. So we're going to start with a team that me and Thomas were literally just discussing. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, They last year they were very good. Uh, they're not very exciting, but they win basketball games, and that's ultimately what it's about. Um, but Thomas, what have you made of them this year? Because... Your quote to me a minute ago was people overreacted to them. What, what do you kind of mean by that? Because they started the season really badly and, and like, ridiculously. It wasn't that they were – it was more the 50-point blowout by the Warriors made everybody just completely second-guess the Grizzlies, what they were doing, how they could, they could be this season, and, and if they were still a contender. To be fair – I will admit myself, as soon as I saw that result, I thought Memphis is doing their time as a contender has passed. They look slow. They don't have any shooting. Their spacing's not particularly good. Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol seem to have regressed. Randolph more so. But in the, they're now 10-8. and eight. They've won three of the last five games, six and three at home, four and five on the road. So they're not actually a bad team. No, they're. I mean, the contender thing... I think there was a lot of overreaction when they lost to Golden State. Like, oh, they lost because, you know, they can't shoot. But I think Golden State made a lot of teams look bad. They seem to find everyone's weakness. And I don't think we could read into it too much. I think the main problem has been Zebo this year. Um, I think he kind of represents an Oh, old, yeah, I'd agree with that. He represents an old era, doesn't he? Just sort of you know, that br- big, bruising power forward who can't really shoot. I mean, he's all right for mid-range, but... You know, he's not he's not great. But the thing that worries me about them is their premier shoot three point shooter is Matt Barnes. And I just think if your if your stretch big man is Matt Barnes, that's worrying. His he shoots twenty eight percent from jump shots, which is really bad. Uh, I don't need to tell everyone that. He shoots thirteen point eight percent from three and it's just I don't know, I think I think if you stretch the floor, you create better looks inside for guys like Marcus Gasol to work. And I just think they're a bit flat this year. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I, yeah they're just... I mean, they're never a fun team to watch. They're not a team you put on and go, oh, this is the team I'm going to excite me. But this year, they just... I mean, they don't have any spacing at all. And last year, they weren't great with spacing, but this year, they're even worse. And... Matt Barnes is your leading three-point shooter. You've got Courtney Lee and Jeff Green as basically your other scorers. It's it's not a good combination, and Mike Conley is doing everything he can, to be fair. He's averaging something like 15.8 points per game. But he's not really got anybody to pass to. Zebo can't really do anything in the inside anymore. It's basically Conley's going to have to do a lot of pick-and-rolls with... Gasol and Gasol's basically has to create in the paint for himself. It's not a good combination. No, I think they need a bit of 
youth in there. I, I keep seeing the Joe Johnson trade. I don't know if I've seen it this year, but that's one that's always been real, but he looks past it as well. I'm not sure whether that would just be a, a great fit. They, they're just a bit old. They're a bit slow and they're slow to get back as well. They can see quite a lot of transition points. I just think there's a really big problem. Um, I, I actually think the Shining Spark is their coach, Dave Yeager. I mean, what do you make of the job he's done since he's come into the NBA? I think I think he's been pretty good. He's but he hasn't done anything different. He basically took what Lionel Hollins made good and kept it at a plateau. They've not got any better. They've not got any worse. He's just been there and kept the ship stable. And I think they do need somebody younger who's more modern in his approach to basketball and can maybe adapt their offensive style a bit because defensively they still do everything great. Tony Allen is still one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA. It's just their offense is so behind the times. They just need to think of a way to move forwards. Because even Jarrell Martin, their pick this year, is another big slow forward in the Zebo mold. And that's not what they need. Do you think that's down to Jaeger though? Do you think that's just down to their personnel more so? I don't, I don't know. I don't think Jaeger wants, because obviously he has some sort of influence in the draft process. And we discussed at the time, there was guys like, um, RJ Hunter available. If you want, if your problem, their problem in the playoffs was they couldn't shoot. And you have RJ Hunter available, but you draft Jarrell Martin. It's clearly the philosophy and it's got to be up to the coach to say, look, we need to change the philosophy and I need the players to do that. And I'm, I'm, if he had said that, I'm guessing they would have got something different, but obviously he didn't. Yeah, I would kind of, I'd kind of go with that. The Jarrell Martin one was, you know, we did the, the live draft and we did, me and you and Mark did the, did the round up the next day and that was the one pick we were all confused by. Uh, it was a pretty successful draft for everyone, but that was the one that, it kind of frustrated me because even if they do stick with this style, which I'm not for or against, I'm not really sure where I stand on it, but you, the draft should be about filling team needs, especially like Memphis don't have a big budget. They're pretty much maxed out on their salary cap. So I don't know. I think they could have done better in that. I don't think it's hindsight either. I think it was just, it was natural to think that way. And they're missing a few things. The Mario Chalmers trade, I, I mean, we just kind of discussed it last week for a little bit of a tangent, but I didn't like the trade. I don't think you like the trade, but. Is he I wasn't really, high on it, but it seems to have helped them out. It, I think it has because he's a general, he's a floor general for a second unit, but I think the issue they've got is, is I watched them the other day against Atlanta when they lost. And I think the problem with their bench is Chalmers is their guy on the bench who, he's a good player, but they kind of use him as the primary scorer off the bench. And I, I'm just not sure that's a very good plan. It's not a very good plan. He tried doing similar things in Miami because Miami went through a period where they couldn't decide if it was Norris Cole or Mario Chalmers as the starting point guard. And whenever Chalmers came in on the second unit and he didn't have LeBron and Wade, he just took every shot and it slowed down Miami's offense. And it, he's, he's proven he shouldn't be a primary scorer on the second unit. He's he's a decent facilitator, so just if they actually had shooters on the team, he could facilitate, but he has to shoot because they've got nobody else. 
Yeah, again, Jeff Green's a guy I mentioned. I'm not very high on Jeff Green. I just think he's a bit of a, he's just a bit of a live wire on the court. He's, he kind of does his own thing. And I just don't think he fits a team like Memphis. I think they need guys who, who yes, have that sort of arrogance about them, but he's just, he's just not very good. He's, I think when people made that trade, some were like, oh, well, that's Memphis's final piece of the puzzle. And I was always quite cautious about it. I'm, I'm not really sure about him. Well, he had um, he had bits and spots in Boston where he averaged like he put up thirty more than have one game where he puts up forty points, then follow it up with four or five games where he struggles to get to twelve. That's the type of player he is. He'll, he'll occasionally step up, give you big points, you'll win a game. But you, you know you can't rely on him. And he proved it last year. I believe he benched himself last year. He was put into the starting line, played badly, benched himself. And had to go back to Sonny Allen, who can't shoot. So that's that's the problem you've got. You've got nobody who can step up and shoot. Yeah, that's basically it. And I think when you're relying on Jeff Green as your as your catalyst, I just don't think that's going to end very well. He's, as you've said, very talented and... He kind of reminds me of sort of a Terence Ross type character, where he'll he'll he's a bit of a highlight reel, or maybe even a Gerald Green, you know, same same last name. Um, that they just not very consistent. I think that's an issue. I think Memphis would be better off having someone who who consistently gets twelve to fifteen points off that bench. But obviously, that's hard to find, and a team that has that uh, will not will not give it up. Um, Memphis, though. When they were on that run, I kind of agree there was an overreaction. Have you have you still got them making the playoffs? Yeah, I, I, it was a bad start, but the Cavaliers had a bad start last year, and they still the best. Well, yeah, they ended up as the best team in the Eastern Conference when all was said and done. So, yeah, they had a rough start, but it's an 82 game season, it's a long season, and Memphis now had to grind out wins. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. I think they'll. I think some have them to push for sort of 55, 60 wins. I think that's a bit ambitious. I'm looking more in the sort of 48 to 52 kind of range for Memphis. I think yeah, I, I before this season I had them around 52 wins. But yes, you have to take some wins off them because obviously they're not as good as everybody thought. I, I'd probably have them in the 47, 48 range with you. Yeah, I think that's more than fair. Um but they they just need an ingestion of youth, but they're not going to get it in the in the trade in the trade season, I don't think. So they're going to have to use the next draft well, and I'm um, I'm not sure how deep this draft is on shooters, but last year was quite deep. Yeah, well that's that's the painful thing if you're a Grizzlies fan. Like last year's draft was so deep, and they didn't get anybody, even if it was a second round guy. They just they didn't get anybody and. That's not good when that was obviously your biggest issue last year and it wasn't addressed yet again. Yeah, definitely frustrating. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But we'll we'll move on from Memphis now and we had a request request, sorry, I can't speak today. We had a request from someone on Twitter to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. I believe it was Joe Magri, who's a West Ham fan, he told us to talk about the Blazers, didn't he? He did, yeah. Right, we'll talk. I like the Blazers. Uh, big, big Terry Stotts fan, well documented on this podcast. Uh, I did for my site, Read Basketball. I did a 
Coach of the Year power rankings where I ranked the top 10. It's going to change all the time, of course. I had Terry Stott's 10th. I just think he's done a magnificent job this year. Yeah, he has. I mean, the 7 and 10, We did when we did our... Where we discussed the Western Conference, I think me and you had Portland slightly higher than other people. We thought they were going to lose a fair few games, but we thought they'd be very competitive and that they'd have Lillard who could push them to a certain amount of wins. And Lillard's averaging 25.4 points and 7.2 assists this season. And they're playing much better basketball than a lot of people thought. Plumlee's been great as a centre. He has. I think Stotts' system, you need a passing big man. He doesn't just want some, you know, absolute lump in there. And I think Plumlee gives him that. He's he's very versatile. And that's Stotts' offense, isn't it? Versatility, not doing the same thing every time. I think teams like, you know, Houston and maybe even Memphis could learn something from Terry Stotts. But a, a guy who's impressed me is CJ McCollum. I think it's, it's not he, he had big boots to fill. Uh, Wes Matthews was really good last season. He was absolutely fantastic, I thought. And I just think, I love what McCollum has done. He's not a very good defender, but, you know, you've got to score the basketball. That's obviously how you win games. Yeah, the thing with McCollum was he started to step up in the playoffs last year. And he, can, uh, he was a lot of people's not-so-surprise pick for most improved player, and he's looking like a decent candidate for it this season. Consider, we said it at the time when we recorded that considering what they lost, Stotts and Olshay did a really good job of retooling this team, and with one more draft pick and a couple free agent acquisitions, they could be in the playoffs again next year, especially with Lillard leading the team. Yeah, I think we both of us got to eat humble pie. Um, we were critical of Lillard last year I think is the right word to use but I think he's really stepped up as a leader for this team and he's actually playing okay defense which has really surprised me what's incredible and I think this is really where you've got to give credit to Terry Stotts is McCollum, Harkless and Aminu are all having career bests from downtown I think that just shows the job he does on and off the court with working with these players I think the offense is just really effective it won Dallas a ring after all in 2011 I just think I wrote an article about I think two weeks ago saying that Lillard isn't actually the franchise cornerstone. Terry Stotts is because I think you could give him any player and he'd make them pretty good. Yeah, I think I think Stotts has been a top five coach of the year candidate like the last three years. He's that good of a coach, and he did underachieve last year. But obviously, injuries were a massive factor in that. And I think now that. He's got this young team that's getting better. I mean, 20, a 2020 second-round pick for Mel Harkless is probably the steal of that offseason. It was a great pickup. And he, he's got guys that are versatile. They can defend. Their team has basically got three or four free, legit free and D guys, which is really good to have in the West. Yeah, I mean... I. I don't know what words you'll consider. I'd definitely consider Aminu and uh, Harkless, two of them, and I just think it's testament because Aminu was not a 3 and D player last year. He did not shoot well from three, but Stotts has worked on him, He's and his jump shooting stroke is a lot better, and he's reliable now. And Harkless as well. He wasn't 3 and D in Orlando. He didn't really have the chance to show anything there, but 
he's come in and I think he's he's really developed nicely. Yeah, the thing you always rave about whenever we discuss Terry Stotts is his offense always gets the right shooter in the right spot for the best shot that you rarely see a Stotts offense take a bad shot. And this season with, like you said, guys having career years, it's because they're in the right, they're being put in the right situation. And that's very rare for a young team. You look at, like we discussed last week, Milwaukee, they're not necessarily taking the right shots. Philadelphia obviously aren't. And it's it's good to see. And Stotts is just, if they manage to get to, they have a chance against 40 wins. If they do that, Stotts has to be a real contender for coach of the year. He does. Um, 40 wins would be, well, I mean, that would be seismic, I think. I think the thing he's got going for him is that Minnesota and Denver in his division, and obviously we kind of, you know, we're both doing all right, but I'm certainly expecting Minnesota to slip up pretty soon. I don't know about you in regards to Denver, but yeah, they've, there's definitely wins for them to get, and I just think that they're just very, they're a good team. It's nice to see a rebuilding team that actually does it the right way rather than lose 20 games on purpose. You know, that is in reference to Philly, if anyone didn't realise. Yeah, they've done it the Timberwolves way. Yes, you're going to lose, but you're going to lose playing hard. You're going to lose a, a good core of young players. And you ultimately get rewarded for trying to win by getting guys like Towns, like Wiggins, which help you in the long run. But you're not doing it by making your fans suffer for three or four years at a time. Because like Portland and Minnesota are really fun to watch, even though they're not particularly good. Which is, it's a novel approach. It is. I'm, I really enjoy watching Portland. If if the time difference wasn't so annoying, I'd probably watch them more. I've watched about four of their games this year, and every time I've not regretted it. I've just really enjoyed watching them. So hopefully it'll it'll keep up. And I hope Joe, if you're listening, uh, yeah, we've discussed Portland like you asked, but. There's a mess for it. If, if you want us to discuss any team, um, we're happy to. We do try and avoid talking about the big teams all the time because, you know, we, we get a lot of exposure for them from ESPN and Bleacher Report and places like that. So, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll move on now. Orlando Magic. Scott Skiles. I think he's done a, he's done a pretty good job so far. He was a very uninspired appointment, but I, I, I quite like him so far. He's doing the right things. What about what do you think of what he's doing so far? I think he's doing really well. The the one guy for um, Orlando who seems to be thriving on the Scott Scars is Evan Fournier. He's been terrific. Yeah, he Which, has. He, uh... I don't think many people were expecting the Magic's best player this season to be Evan Fournier, but 17.2 points. He's forcing himself into st- the starting lineup and. He could legitimately be an all-star this season. The one thing with Scars is it's going quite well at the moment. What's their record at the moment? It's nine and eight, I think. Yeah, the nine and eight. You feel with Skiles, something is gonna go wrong at some stage because he tends to have a bust up. Yeah, I think that's the thing. There's a lot of people are sort of they're not saying I told you so, but they're sort of being cautious before they buy into this team is that when things are going well, Skiles is, <clears throat> he's very good. He's, you know, he's quite, I'd say he's quite calm. 
He he doesn't, you know, take drastic actions, but he's the kind of guy who, if the team starts losing, he will just turn into some, you know, real hard-ass coach who's who really disciplines his players and really lays into them. And I just hope that doesn't happen because I quite enjoy watching this team. All their games seem to be really entertaining. They do, and they've got guys like Nikola Vucevic who have shown in the past that they can be very good players. The one guy I'm really disappointed with is actually Mario Hazonia. He's struggling for minutes. When he's on the court, he's not exactly looking like his his dynamic self. And I think that's where the bust-up is going to come from. But I think if there was a bust-up, I'd side with Skiles because Fournier is clearly earning the minutes. And Hazonia obviously isn't as pro-ready as a lot of people, particularly myself, were expecting. Yeah, I think I think the issue with that Magic team is they're a bit like Minnesota. They're very stacked, and I think even if Minnesota drafts someone good this year or Orlando, either of them, I don't think they're guaranteed minutes. Like, um, for example, if Orlando draft a guard, I don't understand. They're not going to get in ahead of Alfred Payton or Vic Oladipo. And I just, I don't know. I think they're at the point now, Orlando, where I'm not sure they need any more players. They've got. A good starting five. They've got Peyton, they've got Oladipo, they've got Fournier. They've got Nikola Vukovic and, and Aaron Gordon. I think that's a, a good five and they need to start moving forward. They've started adding to their bench via free agency. They've got CJ Watson. It's a nice little pickup. I like Jason Smith. I like his hustle and he can shoot. I mean, do you, do you kind of agree with that? that Orlando need to sort of crack on now. I think they're done rebuilding. Yeah, I think. Because of the amount of young players they have and the logjam they have at specific positions, I think if they wanted to go out and make a trade for a, a star, that they have the firepower to do that as well. Because like, I like Aaron Gordon. He's a, he's improved more than I thought he would. And I've got to say to my boy Geraint on Twitter that <laughs> um, Gordon does look a much better player than I thought he would. And Geraint said he was going to be great. But... When you could possibly trade him for a legit star, and you wouldn't have to give up much because you have so much young talent. If you're Orlando, you've proven that in free agency you can't necessarily attract the best players, so you've got to trade for one. And they're doing a pretty good job of drafting, but I don't know. I think they're one piece away from being a proper playoff contender, and I don't know if it's going to be... Peyton elevating his game or Oladipo elevating his game, but they need something better from the guard position for me. I, I think, apart from Fournier, they lack scoring, which isn't. I mean, they can be they're creative, but they just can't score out the backcourt, and that worries me. Yeah, that's my issue as well. I think Oladipo is a, a solid basketball player. He kind of reminds me of Chris Middleton. Uh, who I think got tad overpaid this summer. But I'll that's... tell you who I would like to see in Orlando. And he might have been injured a lot, but if Chicago are really done with Derrick Rose. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a situation that could work. I believe he, I, he, he'll he know Skulls' offense. So I don't know. I, I just think it's, if they got a guy like Rose, they have somebody who, can run an offense, he can be the go-to scorer for the backcourt, but can also keep up the creativity and can mentor the likes of um, Alfred Payton. 
Yeah, and I think also to get... I'm not sure they'd have to give up actually that much for Derek Rose because... Well, his contract expires at the end of the 2016-17 season. Yeah, I, I think if Chicago asked for a lot, they're being a bit rude. <laughs> like, he's just not really done that much in the last couple of years. But they certainly, I think they lack that. I think the word is sort of explosiveness on that backcourt. They're, they're good. They could put up probably 30, 40 points between them a night, those two. But I'm not sure that's enough when you consider, you know, Charlotte have got Kemba Walker and Nicola Batum. Um, Indiana have Paul George. I know he's not a member of the backcourt, but he scores like one. Yeah, you've got Washington with Bradley Beal and John, John Wall. I mean, you've got to keep up with that. Yeah, and then you've got Toronto with Lowry and DeRozan. It's just... I, I kind of agree with that. I think they kind of remind me of what Dallas have been for the... Not necessarily this year, but the last couple of years. They've been, they're have been they a good team. They're not a great team. They're going to consistently... You know, Orlando have the talent to make the playoffs on a consistent basis, in my opinion. But have they got the talent to do anything beyond that? I'm not so sure. Um, I quite like Vukovic. But beyond that, I don't think they've got a true star. He, he is... I know He's, he's not, their best player. He is. I, I think... And I... I think I was listening to Ion Basketball podcast and, and Zach Harper posted a sort of rhetorical question. He went, well, can a team with Nick Vukovic as their best player win a ring? I'm still going with yes if you surround them with the right players. I, yeah, I, he's he's one of the better offensive centers in the NBA. Yeah, and he's not he's not a turnstile defensively, you know. He's no, not. he's he's worked on his. He was a turnstile defensively when he was initially traded to them, but he's worked on it and he's become a more than adequate defender. And he's got some of the best post moves in the NBA. I just think when he has to, I mean, even guys like Aaron Gordon who have improved, they're not consistent scorers. And when Vucevic has to kick it out to somebody, do you do you trust if Vucevic is Double, do you trust flicking it out to Aaron Gordon and him hitting a three or a deep two? I, I don't. No, I don't either. Um, I think, I think the thing is with Gordon, I think he, I might write an article soon on players born into the wrong era. I think we discussed it last week. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Randy Hollis. It was, uh, Michael Carter Williams. Oh, it was. And somebody else. I can't remember who else. It was Marvin Williams, I think. Yeah, it was. But I, I kind of see Gordon as born into the wrong era because I think if you're going to be a defensive stopper now, you kind of have to be able to to shoot. Or Kid Gilchrist can't shoot that well. I don't want to get abuse from Hornets fans. He's he's not a well. Great he's improved shooter. his mid-range jumper. He's yeah, a mid-range shot. That's what I was sort of about to get. That he's improved his his mid-range and getting to the basket ability. Whereas I'm not sure Gordon. I just not sure his jump shot is fixable. I think it's really bad and Yeah, his jump shot is ugly. I mean he's one of the most athletic guys in the NBA. He's an absolute freak, but there's only so far that can take you. Yeah, I think if you're gonna use a guy like that you have to have a stretch center and there's not many of them around. You know, you've got Al Horford, Carl Anthony Towns, that's the two off the top of my head. I Miles Turner. Miles Turner, yeah. I mean, maybe that's a, a decent scenario for him. But then again, if Atlanta, not Atlanta, if Indiana going small ball, I'm not sure they'd want a guy like that. But it's it's going to be interesting. I still think, I'm kind of with you there. I kind of like that point where Orlando are good, but they're not great. I don't, I'm not going to disrespect them because they're better than my team. and They're better than Denver too. I, I admire the way they play, but. You just sometimes you do need that star to push I, it over. 
I've got a feeling that the I think Skiles will only be there for a years, which he tends to be pretty good at. And once his time is over, they will be a legit like fifth or fourth, fourth, fifth seed because Skiles is very good at setting teams up to succeed once he's gone. Yes. And I think as soon as he's gone and they've got their players have developed in a proper system, then they're going to um be a really good team and they're going to be fun to watch. Do you kind of see this as kind of an OKC kind of situation? I know OKC's talent was a lot better, but do you see Scott Skiles as the sort of Scott Brooks kind of guy where he comes in, builds chemistry? I mean, I know we don't rate Brooks as a sort of game player, but he was a good coach in terms yeah, of player development. Yeah, he was a good player developer. And yeah. And I think that's, that's what Skiles, that's what more his reputation is as an authoritarian who can help develop young talent because he's an authoritarian. And I think in, that's what Orlando needed for now. They knew they weren't going to compete. And like I said, once he's gone and they're in, they've got that set structure, then they'll be a good team. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I think this is going to be an attractive job in a couple of years. Um, I think good coaches, people like Alvin Gendry, are going to be lining up for this job at, at the end of it. I think they're going to get some really talented people to interview for that. But we'll... uh. We'll move on from that now. A team who I think need a coaching change. Uh, so my nice transition. The Washington Wizards. They have been... I'm I'm going to go as far as saying they've been pretty bad this year. Um, I've just not really been impressed with them, I think. I think they've gone into small ball too quickly. Their defense is really bad. They were top five last year in defensive efficiency. This year they are 23rd. I mean, they're below Brooklyn and Philly. Like It's just not really gone right so far has it no the the biggest thing that I saw which kind of made me laugh is they're paying Nene 13 million to sit behind Chris Humphreys yes that basically says everything about the team they've got money invested in the wrong places you and I have discussed at length that yes they need to go small but they need to have the pieces to do it like we have been pulling for a Nene trade for a while. We want a stretch four in there who can help John Wall, and they refuse to address that. And they're just building on what happened last year. At times they looked really good last year in the playoffs, but their ultimate unraveling was in their inside defense isn't great, and it hasn't been very good this year. And the, the big issue is Randy Whitman. Yes, I mean, I kind of, he's a very nice guy. Um, Randy Whitman. I think I think what he's good at is I think he's done a good job developing the players. I don't think anyone can take that away from him. But I think now might be his time. I think I don't think this is his offense. I think he, he, he they're running it. I mean, they're running third in pace when they were like bottom 10 last year. But I'm not sure he's the right guy to implement this style. I think if you're going to implement this it's kind of like in football. If you want to implement a sort of possession style of football, you have to bring someone in who can do it. And that's the situation I see here. I don't think Whitman is the right fit. No, he's not. And that's the issue that Washington are going to have. I think they think they owe Randy Whitman. But because they've made the playoffs the last few seasons. But it seems like they've made the playoffs in spite of Whitman, not because of Whitman. Because, I mean, you've got John Wall and Bradley Beal. You've got two two held players. Like, that backcourt is ridiculous. You're in the East. 
And but the issue we've got is who's going to go in there and implement a small ball system? Who's available? Well, the guy they should have gone for is now at the Pelicans. I think he would have absolutely bent over for that job. I mean, you know, that is a that's a fantastic job. You've got the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference, and I genuinely think that backcourt in the right system can be as good as Curry. Do you think D'Antoni would would suit that? Like D'Antoni or Mark Jackson are the two guys that popped to my head. I, I prefer D'Antoni. I think Mark Jackson is a lot like Skiles and Brooks, where he's a chemistry builder, he's a player developer, but I mean, his his offensive system at Golden State wasn't very good. And I, I, I could, D'Antoni gets a lot of hate in the American media. I don't know why. He is a really good coach. He's practically designed the modern NBA offense. It's just the way he went out with the Knicks and Lakers. I mean, they were really bad teams. Well, I think the Knicks, they, before they traded for Melo, they were, they were good. I, I was living over there at the time, I remember, and they were good. Like, they, put it this way, they ran his system well, is more what I'm getting at. I mean, they did go 29 and 53 before they got Melo, but if you get a coach in like that, you have to buy into his system. And they didn't. They traded for Melo. Melo can't run that system. The guy's an ISO player. Like, I just think they kind of betrayed him. And then the Lakers, I mean, he got them to the playoffs. The That's Lakers. true. And then the next year, they sort of just caved in, basically. Steve Nash was out for the whole year. Kobe is, who we'll talk about later. I wouldn't say he was unprofessional, but it was clear he didn't really like how Dan Tony was an offensive guy, because the Lakers have always played hard. But I'd, lo- I'd love Dan Tony at the Wizards, so I kind of hope it happens now. That, that would be, that's probably the ideal situation given who is and isn't available right now. And I don't think there's going to be many coaching changes at the end of this season. I think most coaches are in the right place. The one guy I think could be like sacked is Dave Yeager, but even he's not good. He's not fit for that system. So I don't know. I, I do agree with you that D'Antoni gets a lot of unnecessary stick. And after all, like Gentry's offense, which Golden State were perfect in last year, is just an adapted version of D'Antoni's. It is, and I think what was interesting is when Golden State won that ring, the first thing, well, not the first thing, but one of the things Gentry said was, you know, that's for us, Mike. And he was aimed at Mike D'Antoni because that offensive system was, I don't know why, it's beautiful to watch, but it was just kind of unpopular. It was it was kind of like a, an FU to the system. It just been... i got a name for you. Sam Cassell. Yeah, that was a guy I was going to talk about, actually. Sam Cassell is someone I want in Minnesota next year when Sam Mitchell moves on. Um, I think that's a good fit. Uh, he play, Did he play for them, or did, was he their assistant? He's been there before. I've seen he's him. been in Washington. I can't remember if it's player or assistant, but he's definitely been there. Yeah, he has. And just I think an- Ty Lue from Cleveland might be a good pick, too. Yeah, he's been linked with a lot of jobs, hasn't he? I remember, I think he interviewed for the Pelicans job, tied loop. They went with Gendry in the end, but another, a couple of coaches I think are sort of on the hot seat and maybe I, I'm not sure Phoenix are going to stick with Jeff Hornacek at the end of this year. I, I wrote a, a very, I really praised them in an article I wrote about, I don't know, two weeks ago or so. But I've watched in the last couple of games, there's no real defensive system in there. I don't know if that's him or the personnel. So I think Hornacek might be in a bit of trouble. I think the name 
I've I've got a bad feeling they're going to fire Randy Whitman and they're going to go after Kevin McHale. I don't know why. But that is the, that's uh, the thing that they will see is that McHale. He knows how to get the best out of his best players. Like I don't think James Harden would have been as good as he was last year without McHale. But the difference is, Houston they basically just ran ISO for 82 games, whereas you actually have two very good backcourt players, so you need to get them both the ball. And that's been the issue. That was Houston's issue this year. They had two good backcourt players, and it just hasn't worked out. So I don't think I'd like McHale in uh, Washington. No, but then again, I'm not sure if this front office are very good. They sort of, I think they've started Whitman too long, but Dan Tony is the guy I would like to get that job, I think. His offense is really good. Gentry praised it. it. It's won the league, and I think a lot of their success goes down to that offense, Golden State, but It'll kind of be interesting to see what happens with Washington. Do you... It's... When we did our Eastern Conference preview, I think I was on that one, or maybe I wasn't. I can't remember where I was, but we discussed Washington, me and you, and Matt, I think. And I said they were a certainty for the playoffs. I'm not sure I can really stand by that anymore because of how good Charlotte and Indiana have been. I mean, do you still think they'll make the playoffs, or do you think they're going to really struggle? I had struggle? them as high as fourth, I think. Mm-hmm. On the strength of their backcourt and the um, progression of players like Otto Porter, but they have been disappointing. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they got in. It would be it's going to be a battle because other teams that we discussed last week have improved significantly, and Washington seems to have hit a bit of a wall. Yes, I would agree with that. I think Charlotte are the kind of team Washington want to be. You know, good ball movement. Everyone getting a touch of the ball, but it's it's just not worked out that way. I don't think Whitman. I'm not going to say he's not smart enough to run out. I think that would be a bit disrespectful. But I don't think this is this is really what he wants to do. I don't think this is his team, and this isn't what he's good at. Every every coach has different strengths. Yeah, um, you can tell the philosophy has been forced on him because of the success of small ball teams last year. Yeah, and I think a, a sort of example I saw was. Well, Frank Vogel's doing it, so why can't we? But Frank Vogel is a lot better coach than Randy Whitman. And he's got Paul George. Yes. I mean, I love John Wall. He's the best point guard in the East, but there's only so much a point guard can do. If you've got somebody as versatile as Paul George, it makes it a lot easier. It does. He's apps. I mean, I, I, I could dedicate a whole podcast to him. He's incredible. And I just think Washington, basically the gist of it, they need a specialist coach to, to go where they want to go and... Sadly, in sport, as nice as Whitman is and as popular as he is with all the players and the staff, you've got to make those tough decisions. Houston have done it, and I think they're going to be better for it, but it'll be interesting to see what sort of direction this goes in. So the... Oh. No, no, go for it. That's all right. I was going to be able to... Did you have something to... Add? I was just going to say, it'd be, because of the success of Golden State again this year, do you think Luke Walton's got a chance? Well, Luke Walton, I think, he's going to get a fair few interviews this summer if he opens up for them. I guess we can discuss that for a bit. The teams I've got changing coaches, and, and obviously it's it's difficult to predict. You've got to think the Lakers are going to make a change, don't you? The Lakers, for me, Lakers, Grizzlies, Raptors, and Wizards are the teams that have to make changes. 
I, I would put the rockets there. I'm not sure if they can still pick a staff over. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that, actually, yeah. I also think Lionel Hollins will go at the end of the year. I think he'll resign. I mean, I, I wouldn't blame him. That is a mess. And Sam Mitchell. You've got to think he'll move on as well. But Yeah, but Sam Mitchell's only... It's like Mitchell and Bickerstaff are only interim, so they're not yes. really head coaches. That's true. And But Byron Scott, let's just talk about him. Have you seen the stuff this week? He's, I think he's a bit mad. He said that players need to earn minutes, but won't give them minutes because they need to earn it. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? It's kind of like when a, a company goes, yeah, you need experience for this job, but how can you get experience without yeah, being given just, experience? It's yeah. baffling, and... I hated the D'Angelo Russell pick for them. I thought Okafor was their guy. It made more sense. But Kobe's clearly passed it. He he shot something like 1 of 14 the other day and then had the balls to criticise his team saying they weren't helping him. He shot 4 for 20 last night. I mean, how can you shoot that badly and then criticise the rest of your team? And Byron Scott, because he obviously kisses Kobe's rings, is just defending everything Kobe does. And putting the blame on his young guys, who, if yeah. he wants to keep his job, are the guys who are going to pay, play for him. It, it's Byron Scott's just baffling how he's still employed on Avenue, and the Bus family just seem to have ditched the team. They don't care what happens anymore. He's just useless, isn't he? He's not good at anything. Like he's, he, he's, he's not very inspiring, and he's just, he's got no clue on offense or defense. It's just, they are so bad to watch. Well, he's playing, like, Lou Williams and Nick Young together far too much. So yeah. like, all they do is shoot and put up bricks. How can that be considered your favourite lineup? It's It makes no sense to me at all. No, and another guy is Brian Kelly. He's one of the worst basketball players I've ever seen. No, no offence to him, of course. <laughs> he's better than me, but uh, it's... It's just baffling the decisions he makes. He's got young players, and I think the key thing with young players is you've you've got to at least, even if they're not playing well, you've got to keep them happy. He just doesn't. He is absolutely terrible. He has no clue what he's doing. He's. I think I the only guy who's actually done anything under Byron Scott is Jordan Clarkson. Even then, I mean, is that down to him? No, I think that's down to Clarkson. I love Jordan Clarkson. I've raved about him a number of times. Uh, But, like, because Clarkson has had success, people, including myself, have said, well, how can you blame D'Angelo Russell on Byron Scott? Because Clarkson was a second-round pick, less expectations, and he's managed to forge his way into a good starting NBA point guard. But, I don't know, there's only so much you can apologise for, and Byron Scott has got a lot to apologise for. I think so, and I think a couple of stats I've found the last sort of week or so, they shoot the fifth most threes in the league, but they're 25th in percentage, and that to me sums up the sort of cluelessness of the whole franchise. It's just... They're just a mess. And I'm not going to say it's sad, because I don't want them to win in their horrible franchise, but... It's it's frustrating to see whether it's the Lakers or you know my own Timberwolves a team to be have that inept of a coach and of a system. 
I think the, the the thing is when you look at them is if you've got a team that has young guys like Minnesota and Los Angeles, you want the old vets on your team pardon me, to um be guys who encourage them. Like Kevin Garnett, Tayshawn Prince and Andre Miller are perfect role models for young players. But you know they're gonna pass the ball out and they're happy to pass the pass the torch on to the younger guys. Kobe Bryant wants to hold on to that torch for as long as he can. And just he he clearly doesn't want to help guys like Russell and Clarkson develop and it's really sad to see because he's gonna go out and his legacy is gonna be tarnished because of it. Yeah, I agree with that. People are gonna remember the rings, but I think the sort of the more long term basketball fans, the ones who do watch games every night, are gonna think, Well, hang on a minute, you know, he could have left a legacy here. He he could have developed Russell. Now, like Garnett's legacy now is Carl Anthony Towns. It's that simple. Andre Miller's legacy is Zach Levine and Tayshawn Prince's legacy is someone like, I don't know, Shabazz Muhammad or, or, uh, Andrew Wiggins. It's just, what is Kobe doing off? Yeah, well, court? when he signed that new extension, was it last year or the year before? And they gave him like 25 million. Yeah, it was last He went year, on Twitter and had a rant because people were saying, aren't you supposed to be helping the team in the long run? And he, he said something like, the way it's structured does help the team in the long run. But, I mean, they're paying 25 million to a guy who's playing some of the worst basketball of his career. He's, what, 37, 38, had three or four years of injuries, and is a ball hog. I mean, he's not helping the team for the future, and the only way he helps them is by retiring, and he should do it now, not at the end of the year for me. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely with that. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where what happens with the Lakers. But obviously, we ended up talking about the Lakers after talking about the Wizards. Uh, I guess Wizards fans will be hoping they don't end up with Byron Scott. That would be uh, oh, that would be awful. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever get employed again as a head coach. Maybe as an assistant, he must be good at something. But no one's found it yet. But no. A team, a team will move on to the final team we're going to talk about today. Are, uh, I don't know if we talk, I don't think we have, but the Phoenix Suns now. I was complimentary to them. At that point, they were seven and six. They've gone, I think they're one and five in their last six. And that's not an issue. Basketball's tough. Most teams are good. But the issue I'm seeing with them is they are getting blown out. I mean, the Kings absolutely destroyed them last week. And does their defense worry you a bit? It does. I mean, they spent a lot of money on 32-year-old Tyson Chandler to make their defense good. I can't see where that money's gone, to be honest with you. No, he he's, he's, he's not living up to the money at all. No, um, as you know, I'm a I'm a stat guy, so I'll, I'll dig out a couple of stats. The team is worse offensively and defensively per 100 possessions when he's on the court. And he's allowing people to shoot 50% at the rim. Markeith Morris is doing better than that. I mean, that's, he is in there for one re, well, two reasons. One, set screens. Two, just defend the rim. Don't, don't let teams destroy you, basically. But that's not working. I mean, the other day, the job Costa Kufus and Demarcus Cousins did on him was frightening. They absolutely ripped him apart. And I just, I think that may go down in hindsight as one of the worst contracts of this offseason. Yeah, 
I think when he signed it, I said that Tyson Chandler has a history of, in contract years, playing the best basketball of his career. And as soon as he gets paid, he regresses into just another big. Yes. And he's just done the exact same thing yet again. And I, I really don't like the Eric Bledsoe for this team. I think Brandon Knight has been terrific. He looks like a starting Eastern, uh, Western uh, all-star. But I, I don't know, I, I, that backcourt combination I don't like. Uh, TJ Warren's been a nice surprise, actually. I think, sort of, when I've watched and the backcourt looks okay. I think it would be better if there wasn't so much strain on them. They don't get any scoring from that front goal. Like Markeith Morris, we spoke earlier about Jeff Green. I kind of put Morris in that mould, where he can be really good. Like He can look like one of the best power forwards in the NBA. I think he has other nights where he is just absolutely, you know, an, a liability on offence and defence. And Do you not think specific games he's he sees them as games that he can showcase his talents and audition for a trade? Because he clearly doesn't want to be there. I don't care what he said in the off-season. You don't have that much of a hissy fit and then just go, OK, I'll play for you. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly buy into that. I think he's kind of puts himself in the shot window sometimes, but whenever I've watched him, he doesn't look like he wants to be there. It really does look like that. And John Lewis is someone that I think they should play more. He's not great, but at least he, you know, he's not, he's not someone who breaks the offense down. I just think, I don't think Morris likes making the extra pass, whereas Lewis happy to. I think Morris, as soon as he gets that ball, he goes, right, I'm going to shoot. And it's just, it's just not a very good way to look at it, and they look more effective with Mirza Teletovic on the court, and he is... He had 20 well, points in that last game. He did, but he is one of the worst defenders I've ever seen, Mirza Teletovic, but I guess that's not what he's there for, but... No, he's there to hit these like long-range shots, it's basically all he can do. Hmm. I think I think the big issue they've got is, yes, Knight and Bledsoe, they look good together, Devin Booker has looked okay as a rookie, but their front court has no scoring in it at all, and I've, they're just unbalanced for me. Yeah, they are. I, I did see a trade idea that was floated on Twitter the other day, and I can't remember who it said that Phoenix would have to give up, but Joe Johnson, to Phoenix, basically Joe Johnson to any team that needs scoring is becoming a thing now. And this is one of the actual, one of the only situations where I've looked at and thought, you know what, that's actually a decent move. I think I'd like Joe Johnson. They, because Brooklyn could get a couple young pieces back. They could get, say, TJ Warren and can't think of another young player they've got. And, and then Phoenix get that scorer in the front court. And Joe Johnson could be, I think he could be really good on this team. So you, would you put him small forward, I'm guessing? Oh yeah, you'd stick with Knight and Bledsoe at the backcourt. I think you run through Brandon Knight because he's been terrific this season. But you actually have three decent scorers then, because Joe Johnson may no longer be worth the money he's getting paid, but he can still score the ball. And that's clearly what they need. Yeah, um, I kind of guess with that. I kind of agree with that, sorry. And uh, I don't know. They've got... They've got a few issues they need to clear up for me. Their defense is bad as bottom ten in the league. As you said, well, as we both said, the front court scoring is is an issue. Yes, TJ Warren's been good, but 
I'm looking beyond that. I, I like Len and Chandler, but and Chandler especially is very one-dimensional. I think this team could do with a power forward who can who can score the ball. Even if he's a bit of a defensive turnstile, they need something to come from that power forward position because it's not Markeith Morris. I'd give them um, JJ Hickson for TJ Warren. Yeah, I quite like Hickson. He's just scorched and he's good with his bat to the basket. Yeah. That's the issue that we've got is that in terms of fours who can score, there aren't many, to be fair. No, I mean, Channing Fry, maybe. Getting well, back. Yeah, he was really good when he was in Phoenix. So, I don't know. That could, that's a guy who has been apparently on the trade block for a while who probably would work, but he's on quite a big contract. So they'd have to give up a couple of pieces, I'd imagine. Yes, I think they would. Maybe, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because they need to make a move. Um, I think they could make the playoffs. I've got them eighth now, but... I had them eighth. Uh, I'm oh. not confident in it. All that happens then is you get swept by the Warriors and I don't I don't see this team even giving the Warriors a series like I think the one thing that they'd have in the that they'd be able to do is athletically their backcourt matches up really well with Golden State. Mm-hmm. But they'd be screwed in the front court. Yes, I agree with that. Um Markeith Morris trying to chase Draymond Green or Harrison Barnes probably wouldn't be that fun to watch for no. a, for a Suns fan. Someone we mentioned earlier, Jeff Hornacek, he's out of contract this summer. Do you think they'll renew him? Or I'm kind of in the boat with Hornacek where I think he did a really good job in his first year, but just because there was no microscope on the team, I think it's... I'm not saying it's easy. The guy got 40 wins out of a team with very little talent, but I don't know. I'm not sure about him. Not as sure as I was coming into the season. No, I think they, they obviously overachieved that season... And that completely changed what they wanted to do. And like they've made moves to try and be competitive every year since. But I think, yes, they overachieved, but they still could have used that as a springboard to go about the rebuilding process the right way. I think they got a little taste of success and thought, hey, we're close. And I don't. They obviously weren't as close as they thought they were. And I like Corner Check. He does some good stuff. I think he's been. The backcourt situation he's been lumbered with, I don't envy. I don't uh, envy him because I I couldn't have. I had no way. I just didn't see, understand the Thomas uh, Bledsoe Knight combination. So how he figured it out, I'll never know. And yeah, I've. Oh, sorry, interrupt. I just wanted to sort of add to what he said. I, I like what he's done with that backcourt. I think he's. He's not. He's just done it. It's really difficult when you've got two players who you don't know. But they, I think, I don't know what you think of this. I think they can play both positions, those two. I think they can. I think Knight is more of the point guard and Bledsoe's more of the two guard, but they seem to play Knight more as the two guard and Bledsoe more of the point. And I think they can play both. I just, if I'm giving the ball to somebody to be the main ball handler, I, I want it to be Brandon Knight. Yeah, I prefer Knight as well, but it'll be interesting to see. They share the ball, which is it's good to see. I like both of them. Um, I prefer Knight, but I like them both, if that makes sense. And I think Hornacek, I don't think he's a coach for a contender, but if we went on a team that was young and he could 
I think like Skiles, he could help get them nearer to it and then pass them on because I think he can help develop players. He can, and I, I, I like him. I think he's he's good, but I just don't I don't see much of a defensive system. But then again, you can. You know, Steve Kerr didn't know a lot about offense last year, so he brought in the best in the business, Alvin Gentry, and maybe yeah, absolutely. Donovan didn't know much about defense, and he went and got Monty Williams. Exactly, and I think maybe Hornacek could do with a defensive assistant. And I think I, if Dwayne Casey gets the can, he's in, he has to be somebody's. A, a, like head assistant just for his defensive capabilities. Yeah, I I think he will get binned. I think they'll do well, but they'll slip away in the playoffs. Like, that's kind of what I think will happen to them anyway. But this team, you, I'm guessing you're not sure on them making the playoffs at the moment. I'll stick with my prediction with them as eighth, but I'm not confident. No, that's fair enough. We'll. Uh, We'll leave the Suns there. Uh, Kobe Bryant did retire last night. We discussed him earlier for a bit, but without without being negative, I mean, has he been one of the just the true greats of this of this franchise? Yeah, he's he's been the mainstay since I started watching basketball. I saw the end of Michael Jordan, and Kobe's been the main guy throughout. Obviously, him and LeBron, and. It's sad that his legacy has ended the way it has because he should have gone out on top. And he will go down as one of the all-time greats. I think he's the second best of our generation just behind Tim Duncan. But yeah. The NBA is going to be worse without him, although I don't think the Lakers will be. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. He's, he's, I hate a lot of... Well, I don't hate them, but I kind of... Uh, dislike a lot of sports players just for maybe their attitude off the court, but he's one I he's a rare one I dislike and respect. He's just you've got to admire what he's done. He he always finds ways to win. It's lazy to go. He's had Shaq, he's had Derek Fisher, he's had you know blah blah blah. He's had Pau Gasol, but I don't know. You you need good players to win. LeBron had to go to Miami and get Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade to even get a ring. So. I just think he's one of the true greats of this league, and he's someone I've enjoyed growing up watching, really. Yeah, I don't think he's finished with basketball. I think there's a chance, because he's discussed it a few times, he co- he goes and plays in Italy. Because mm. I think he grew up there with his dad. So, I mean, that would, that would be somewhat where he could keep playing basketball. But it, w- would you be shocked if LA gave him the head coaching gig? Based on what he's done for them, like Jason Kidd at the end of his time in the NBA instantly got a job. Maybe, but I, it, I'd like to see him away from the Lakers. Um, I'm not sure about him as a coach. I think he's the kind of guy who would get annoyed at his players for not being as good as he was. He's, I'm not sure he's a good... I could see them doing it just because the Lakers are really badly run, but it'd be extremely interesting to see what happens. I, I, a lot of people will now disrespect his legacy because of what's happened this season in particular. But, yeah, I mean, he's one of the all-time greats and you can't take it away from him. How many rings has he got? Five? Five, yeah. I mean, how many guys have got five rings? Not many, so... Very few. LeBron can, LeBron's still chasing him. 
Yeah, LeBron's on two, isn't he? Yeah, so... But, yeah, uh, happy retirement, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure to watch him. It really has. Uh, I just think... I just think... I th- I'm, I'm kind of glad he's done it now. Like, a guy... Well, we kind of like to delve into other sports. Peyton Manning is a guy who should have retired. Now, by now, he has been... He's thrown five touchdowns and 17 interceptions this year. It's just... I'm glad Kobe's doing it at the right time. The guy Kobe reminds me of is um, Brett Favre, Mm. where he clearly knew his body wasn't up to it anymore, yet he kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And it was just a point like, why are you coming back? What are you actually playing for? I mean, last year, chasing MJ on the um, all-time scoring chart, completely understood that. But what was the reason for coming back this year? They had nothing to play for. They weren't going to be good. I think they kind of kidded themselves that they had a chance at the playoffs, which was hilarious. I think, I think even if you put Greg Popovich with that roster, they'd still have no chance of making the playoffs. But it's just, I think he's done it at the right time, and I think a lot of sportsmen should do that. Yeah, I think you should go out with a bit of dignity rather than being made to leave. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, Denver Broncos have tried to edge out Peyton Manning, haven't they? So. Yeah, let's go Brock. <laughs> yeah, Brock Osweiler. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah, it's been it's been good watching him, and he's. I don't know if I'll miss him, but I think it's going to be strange seeing him not suit up on opening day, and as, as it will be with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, uh, well Ray Allen hasn't suited up for two now, but players like that when they're gone it's going to be very weird I mean, as a Minnesota fan Garnett is the one that's going to be weird for me um, he's he's the only reason my franchise is relevant at all he's the only really good but well, until now he's the only really great player we've had so it's just weird to see all these guys win on we've got a new era led by you know Anthony Davis Carl Anthony Towns people like that so hopefully that this era is as good as the last one I think it's going to be more competitive isn't it yeah, I think this era is going to be so much more fun than the last one because you've got guys like Puzingas and Towns this year who are great as bigs inside the paint, but they can just step back and knock down a three if they want to. And it's something that the league hasn't seen before, and it's going to be so fun. Yes, it is. I think the key sort of a talking point from the modern NBA is going to be people don't join the big franchises anymore. Um, you know, people aren't just going to always go to the purple and gold of the Lakers or the green and white of the Celtics. I think people are going to join the best fits, and I think that's better for the league. So, because I kind of feel in the 80s and maybe even the 90s and bad that every other team was just a farm for the Lakers and the Celtics. That's, that's kind of how I see it anyway. Yeah, they were. It's like even... I mean, up until this off-season, everybody thought the like, like last off-season, sorry, everybody thought the likes of Kevin Love and Rajon Rondo, who were big names or are big names, were going to the Lakers. Even though they're not very good, they were still being linked with every big name. And it was good to see teams like Sacramento get a Rondo, his name's still big. Even I mean, he's been really good this year, to be fair. But yeah. it's good to see that smaller teams are getting big names. There is a lot more stars in the smaller franchises, which is good to see. 
Yeah, it is good to see. Um, there's m- most franchises have a good player, don't they? Now I think you know, obviously Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, to be Brooke fair, Lopez. even Brooklyn and Philadelphia, they've got Okafor and Brook Lopez. Yeah, uh, it's. I'm I'm kind of impressed by by the way the league's going. But yeah, that's the end of our of our podcast. We've kind of want to talk about more teams. So if you think we're missing a team, let us know because it's very difficult to keep track of thirty teams, of course, and. Maybe next time, the only teams I think we've avoided, Thomas, are sort of, you know, Cleveland, Golden State and teams like that. I think that's the only ones we haven't really spoken about. Yeah, it's good to talk about teams, but you don't want to talk about the best teams all the time. Because even though they're great, it gets a bit boring. Yeah, it does, because everyone talks about them. We want to kind of be a bit, we want to find a niche in the market, really. But it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Tom. Dear Kobe, you'll always be that kid from Philly raised with the same sense of pride felt within us all. Kobe Bryant, Lower Marion High School. When you moved away, you took a piece of Philly with you. Tenacity, passion, grit, the desire to be a champion. For nearly two decades, you transformed the game. Kobe's getting one of those fights going, folks. Unbelievable. You caused us heartbreak. You reveled in the role of our villain. Now here we are, as you embrace our city, your roots, one last time. You'll always be that kid from Philly, and we knew you before the world did. Much respect, Philadelphia.